This is the John Oakley Show podcast. So we're not going to negotiate any of those things today. And we're not going to certainly not negotiate those things in, in, in the media. Uh, but we are going to lay out our priorities. We've laid those out already. And we're ready to work hard. That's Jagmeet Singh last night. In the aftermath, he feels rather buoyant or ebullient, feeling that despite losing 15 seats, he kind of sort of won uh, in terms of being a swing vote and holding some clout over a minority government. So let's find out. Winners, losers, that's one of our talking points and topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Dial pound 3636. In-house, Rocco Rossi, the CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. Good afternoon, Rocco. Great day for talk radio. Sure is. Kevin Gadet, president of Brightpoint Strategy, formerly head of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. How's Kevin? I'm unhappy today, Johnny. Okay. Well, uh, oh. we're going to see if we can inject some <laughs> like earth e- in there. I feel like Eeyore today. <laughs> so I'm glad that you're sitting beside me. It was me, Christmas <laughs> morning and you got a bag of coals. <laughs> Felt like that last night. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll see if we can talk you in off the ledge. Alyssa Freeman, PR and pop culture media expert. How about you, Alyssa? Well, I'm doing just fine, so I'm going to try and make Kevin feel better. Okay. Uh, soothe the savage breast. <laughs> Let me ask around the horn, uh, winners and losers, who won, who lost? I mean, and it's just because, you know, it's a general question because it's wide open to interpretation. Rocco, how do you see it? Well, the only one who, who straight out uh, won in terms of big increase and uh, a big seat at the table uh, are the block. Uh, everybody else, uh, I mean, the the conservatives raised um, their, their seat count, but they missed a, a huge opportunity against a prime minister that um, was had wounded. been... So they lost. You're saying the block won. So there's a binary thing here would say the country then lost. Well, uh, look, at I, I'm a huge believer that uh, that the people get to speak and that the people are always right. So clearly uh, they weren't uh, buying what the opposition was selling. Yes, it's a minority government, but with a pretty healthy uh, minority and Mr. Singh can can push and say what he wants. But the reality is the NDP is now effectively bankrupt. They're not going to be wanting an election anytime soon. Interesting. All uh, right. All so right. going to be tough for him to push people to the wall. So a Pyrrhic victory of sorts. Kevin Gadet, who won, who lost? Well, national unity lost. Uh, as, far, as far as party leaders go in a competition of the the five who lost the most, uh, Maxine Bernier lost because he didn't get a single seat across the country and what, 1.9% of the vote. Well, does that help the Conservatives now that he's eliminated as even just It a... could if Andrew Scheer stops being the guy he's been and starts to reach out in an appropriate manner to a variety of different groups, one of which is the, the People's Party. I think Liz May was one of the other big losers, to be honest, uh, you know, to go from only two to three seats. So this is a woman who's been leader for 13 years, been elected for eight, and has only three lousy seats. I mean, she's done such a crappy job of being leader of that party at a time where environmentalism has been the driving issue for so long, and she can't get past three seats. Like, she's got to go. Well, and she started the election. Let's let's take the clock back a little <clears throat> bit. And, um, you know, the reason that, um, that Mr. Singh can justifiably claim a little bit of a moral victory is the sense that the that the NDP were being written off at the beginning of this uh, and that the Greens were in ascendancy and they were eating their lunch and, you know, more candidates and money and all of the rest of that. And uh, 
he ended up blunting that through a variety of things, and 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 uh, Miss May certainly did not um, to her detriment. Is what to you her detriment. Progressive vote, she peel or he peeled away from her. Yeah. And to Kevin's point, she's probably done. So she's a big loser. She owns her party so strongly, so I'm not so sure if she is done. She should be done. All right. Well, uh, done if, if she if, wants. If to. they can raise money going forward, uh, given the track record, Alyssa Freeman, who won, who lost. I think that the West lost. I think the Western provinces really feel disenfranchised. And I think as a result, the country is, and I agree with Kevin, I think national unity lost. And I think the country lost a little bit at the same time. There's greater division than I've ever seen before. And there's also other certain candidates that lost that I didn't want to see lose, like Lisa Raitt. Um, I think that's really unfortunate for the Conservative Party. I always looked at her as a bit of a bellwether, uh, always spoke beautifully, could stay on message and make it sound like it was really from the heart. And I think that that was a... I think that that was a real a real loss. You know, the the liberals won, and I think that there's enough narcissism in there to believe that they that they really did win, and that the way they won was the way that they had to win. So now they've got to live with that, and that will and, and that will be, how they do that will be seen will be seen going forward. The other thing too is is that that whole narrative with Doug Ford equals Andrew Shear, and we were talking about this before as we before we came in, and I think that that's going to have some ramifications now that Doug has been let out of purgatory and he's now allowed to speak again. But he was sounding a conciliatory note earlier. Well, today. and maybe that's part of what they're seeing and what they read. Like, is this a bellwether on how people feel about conservatives in this province? You know, you don't know. Yes, no, but you really have to tread carefully. Well, let me just say, uh, before you came here, I was reading this terse letter from Scott Moe, the Premier of Saskatchewan, to Justin Trudeau. Uh, He wasn't mincing any words. He says, if you're serious, if you really mean what you said last night about how you've heard about the West's frustrations and all the rest, here's what you could do right away. Number one, cancel the federal carbon tax. Two, commit to negotiate a new equalization formula that's fair to Saskatchewan and Alberta. And three, commit to develop a plan to ensure Saskatchewan and Alberta can get our exports to international markets. This means pipelines. Rather, in fact, he put down his marker. He said, really? You want to show good faith? Here are the preconditions, uh, which I found kind of interesting. He's not messing around, came right out of the shoot and spelled it out pretty straightforwardly. Now, can Justin Trudeau fulfill any of these, let's call them uh, demands or uh, solicitations? Or is this regional disparity thing now uh, going to be our undoing? A house divided against itself cannot stand, as Lincoln once said. Rocco? Well, Look, at there are there are lots of issues. I would dial back um, Alyssa's comment of I've never seen it more divisive as as someone who spent time in Quebec during re- two referendum votes. We have been at far more divisive points where we almost lost the country. So we're not we're not there yet, and I hope we don't. Uh, the reality is the the prime minister does have the option of doing some of those things. I don't think the carbon tax walk back happens because quite apart from uh, the liberal stand on this, go to the NDP, the Greens and the Bloc. Uh, The bottom line is this has been litigated in this election uh, and I think that's done. Uh, I think the issue... Well, wait a minute. Hang on. Just go to the Supreme Court. Well, it'll go to the Supreme Court, but... But I think the the legislative bodies will have the votes to do what they 
what they want to do on this one. Well, wait a minute. I do How do you believe say that? If, if, they, if the liberals are whipped and they decide they want to walk that back, the conservatives would vote in favor with them. They'd have the numbers. <clears throat> They'd have the numbers. I think they're going to use that in terms of, and I would hope they would use that in terms <clears throat> of progressing with the pipelines, but I think they're going to continue with the social license piece together with the, the two and try to bridge it in that way. Right. That would be my suspicion. Kevin, do you think these uh, regional disparities now are irreconcilable? I, I'm uh, look at I'm, I'm really concerned. Uh, I, I don't believe we have a prime minister who has the ability to deal with the challenges that he's being faced with. Like, look at I, I hope he proves me wrong. Um, you know the proof will be in the pudding. But November second, there's a Wexit uh, protest planned in Edmonton, Alberta already. Um, you know that's ten days from now. You know, the, 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 there's already a large outpouring. I'm not sure the Prime Minister actually gives a damn about the West, to be candid. There aren't enough seats uh, to be of relevance, and his history indicates he's a big fan of Quebec. This will be an opportunity for him to throw a bunch of money at Quebec. And regarding Rocco's comments and the carbon tax, as much as I wish it weren't true, you know, when the Prime Minister stood up, you know, narcissistically, uh, as Alyssa says, last night and says, I have a clear mandate, I mean, my head wanted to explode, you know, in what world does a guy think he has a minority government gives him a clear mandate? Because it sure as hell doesn't, but he thinks it does. So I think he's just going to march forward and glibly, hopefully, you know, smile and give trite aphorisms of speeches and hope it all works out. That's I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, before <clears throat> the actual election date, one of the things that Trudeau said was that he regrets how divisive this election has become and how and what the effect that it has had on the country. So I'm well, trying... When I, he says that, he means conservatives. That's what I mean. He, let's be clear. To, to unpack that, he means conservatives were hateful. Is what he's, that's code for conservatives were, for me, were uh, mean. Okay, but, you know, yeah, it could be code from your point of view, but I think that other people didn't look at that that way, actually, Kevin. In the conversations, some of them that I had, they all they talked about was a divisive country. And well, how to get that way? <clears throat> and he is, you know what he? It almost is he sounded, not responsible? It, yes, he is responsible. But <sighs> I also felt that he was, he was. Not necessarily taking the blame for that, but acknowledging it. And we know that Trudeau is not a big acknowledger. He's not a big um, a say sorry type of guy. But he there acknowledged are lots of learning it. moments. He didn't even use those words. It's not a learning moment where we can all learn. Well, you know, his but full I think quote, it's going to be short term pain for long term game. I think he is going to have to throw something to the West. I don't think he's going to ignore it, Kevin. I, I don't. Okay. Well, you know, his uh, quote in Fredericton that you're referencing, uh, where he says he found the country more divided than ever. He's surprised because he's a uniter. I I think we mocked that last time around, but uh, to Scott Moe's point, you know, he says where uh, he wants to amend the equalization formula. I think Jason Kenney out in Alberta as well is looking to pass legislation to... Referendum. uh, Yeah, referendum, because uh, they think, hey, we're the patsies of confederation. We're shipping all this money out to Quebec where they got $7 a day daycare and... $14 a year. Right. And all they do is rub our noses in it. And then they uh, cancel the pipeline or they stand up emphatically. And Justin Trudeau even tries to play that card in Quebec, you know, to pander to them by saying, you know, uh, he speaks out of both sides of his mouth, basically. And Quebec tells him one thing. He goes out west. He tells him another thing. So they're hip to the game. Uh, Don't you think that their animus towards this whole setup now is pretty palpable? 
Absolutely. And I think it's a very, very powerful narrative. And if there's one thing that Trudeau hates is that when the narrative isn't on his side of the fence. And I think that, you know, when Scott Moe puts out uh, words like that, like them are fighting words, as they say. And I think that's going to set the rhetoric. I think it's going to set the tone. And they're not going to let up from that narrative, if they're smart and stay on message, they're not going to let up from that narrative. And that could be like the biggest sticking point in the first 100 days. Look, we'll we'll see. He has this is this is his leadership opportunity. Um, you know, you saw it's an interesting, you know, almost bizarre historical parallel, right? His father came in on a wave of Trudeau mania in 1968, a massive majority, uh, and then in 1972 came within a couple of seats. Of of losing government altogether, one of the tightest uh, minority governments of uh, of Canadian history, and and then turned it around and ended up winning uh, successive uh, successive elections, uh, and you know it, you know stood up to his leadership moments. Uh, at a time when it was required. We'll see. You're still going to see if he's made of the same metal as the old man. man. Okay. Oh, whether uh, he's yeah, maybe, uh, the old man in Salmon Arm, British Columbia, gave the finger to the West. Yeah, no. So maybe he is made of the same metal. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.